Greetings, Morks. Welcome back to Conspiracies and Beyond. Jedi here along with Todd and Seamus. For some, today's topic can be really a turn-on for some. When you're headed to Nevada and driving down a long, deserted road, what do you do? Do you go to Las Vegas? The Bunny Ranch? No. (laughs) For these guys, they go to Area 51. The Bunny so, Ranch. Where'd you come up with that? That's a good one. <laughs> did that did that come to mind on your own, Jedi, when you were thinking things to do, things I would do in Nevada when you were making a bullet? Well, I, I heard that that was things to do. You know, not my thing. <laughs> yeah, Seamus and I, being huge Howard Stern fans, we've heard a lot about the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> so, Area Fifty One. Let's talk about it. Actually, before we get into that, Seamus, let's talk about the story the other day when I was at your house for a play date with our kids. I think this would be kind of funny for the people listening. Tell us that time you tried to sneak away to Mohegan Sun Casino. Oh, man. Well, I think we were talking about the last show that I had missed, actually. We were talking about wild coincidences and just things that happen at just everything that just lines up to be completely either right or wrong, and in this case, wrong. I had just chosen a day. I was just going to get away. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to tell anybody. Instead of go to work, I'm just going to drive to Mohegan Sun. I'm going to play some poker. I'm just going to waste the day away, have a good day to myself. I do it on a whim. I call out of work sick. I take a left where I should have taken a right. I get on the highway. I shoot down to Mohegan Sun. Your wife has no idea. She has no idea. She has no idea. I would have told her later on. I didn't want to have a discussion about going to Mohegan Sun instead of work on a Tuesday, but I did it. So I get down there, you know, as soon as I get in the poker room, I put my my money down on the table, I'm getting my chips. You know, they ask for a player card. I say, oh, I don't have one. Could you make me one? I give them my license. And they say, okay, I'll go make you a player card. You know, I'm just settling down. I'm ordering a drink. You know, Seamus, Seamus, you're ready for about four or five hours of fun, yeah, right? It, that's the idea. I'm, I'm not looking to get rich. I just want to, I just want to mess around. I want to put my headphones in. I want to listen to my favorite podcasts. I want to just go into the zone play cards for four or five hours, have a nice day, and then come home and probably confess, you know, at another time that I skip work, but just enjoy a day for myself. So so I, I go down there and uh, the first hand I get dealt is ace, king of spades. Ace, king of spades. Okay, fine. I'm going to, I don't want to get too involved when I, as soon as I sat down, I, you know, I want to go broke right away, but go ahead and do a standard raise. It's, uh, I get a couple of callers. The flop comes up. I get two to the flush. I hit my ace. It's like the dream flop. I got the flush draw. I hit the ace. I got top pair, top kicker. The guy checks around to me. I bet. I got two callers. Turn card comes. I make my flush. Now this guy leads out at me. He's first to act. He's betting. I re-raise him almost all in. All right. So first of all, for the for the people not listening, Seamus has right now the best possible hand you can have uh, given the board and people are betting into him. So he's about to win a bunch of money, but we all know how this is going to end. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now this, this, this is just get the Kleenex ready. Now this, this is going to be awful. So I've got the nut flush. It's the best hand that you can have possible. So I go just about all in river card comes. It's another spade i don't really care about it's another spade i I still have the nut flush this guy checks to me i go all in he calls me and i'm laughing i say hey to hit you this hard right off the bat but i got the nuts and he's i could tell this guy's like one of these lifers he's one of these guys you ever go to the poker room how much was was the pot seamus it was all of it (laughs) it was all all of my money yeah i had a couple of callers and then all of his so there's about maybe six maybe seven hundred dollars in the pot Nice. Yeah, yeah. This would have been a nice start to the day. I'm really excited about this. And uh, like I said, this guy, you could just tell he's one of those pros. He's one of those guys who just, he's, he's, he lives there. You know, he gets his mail delivered there. He's got about, you know, three, $4,000 in, in chips in front of him. He's been there since like, you know, last Tuesday. <laughs> this isn't typically somebody you want to get involved in his pot, but I got him. I got him. You know, I, I, I said, I don't know if you got maybe a king high flush or something. I, I got you. And he just, he had this look on his face. Like, I'm so sorry, buddy. 
this is really dirty. And he turned over a straight flush. <gasps> straight flush. She had Ouch. straight flush to the queen. Uh, yeah, Jack seven or something, or Jack nine of, of right. space. He's got the straight flush. And I'm bullshit. I stand up. I'm like, this is this is when I can't have one day, just one. Like, I'm, I'm broke. I'm not going to re-up. I don't want to go back to the ATM. I don't want to get any more money. I just want to get the hell out of here. So I storm off. I forget my license. <gasps> they have my license. They're making me a player card. So, so I leave my license at Mohegan Sun, trying to get it back. I'm calling. They can't find it. You know, fine, whatever. Now I'm already resigned, so I'm just going to have to get another license. I don't tell my wife. I should have. I don't tell my wife that I went to Mohegan Sun. Fine. Little white lie. I wasn't even there for like 20 minutes. So I basically didn't go to Mohegan Sun. There's nothing to lie about. I may as well have been dropping off a package at Mohegan Sun and leaving. I just, I was in, I was out. So I didn't mention it. I never said anything. A couple days later, I get a package. It's a little FedEx envelope. And my son intercepted it. He says, oh, daddy, you got something. It looks like it's from Connecticut. Everyone it, gather around. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, look at this. Daddy's got something from Connecticut. And my wife happened to be getting ready for work. And I just knew as soon as he said that, I'm like, no fucking way. They found my license. They mailed it to me. They were being nice. They sent me some vouchers to get an appetizer at whatever stupid restaurant is in Mohegan Sun. I was busted. Mohegan Sun... Mohegan Sun just landed me in marriage counseling. Thanks very much. I, I did get a free drink out of it, but yeah, I, I, I caught some shit that day. So I lost on both ends. I lost my bankroll, and then I lost my uh, my, my peace of mind at home. It, it is funny, Jedi, because the first thing I said to Seamus is, a girl would never do that. They would just say, we're going. But for some reason... <laughs> Men, men have to find a reason to get away with something. I don't we want to get away with it. We're like little, we're really, we're like, we have that little kid in the cookie jar mentality where I'm just going to get one over on you. I'm going to get a little something that you don't know about and I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be all mine. I'm going to share it with anybody. I'm going to tell you. And uh, yeah, it blew up in my face. So that's my sob story. I could tell you a hundred more, but that was fun, right? Did you have fun? Did yeah. you like that story, Joe? <laughs> That's um, so that, my heart. Your seat wasn't even warm. You didn't have a sip of a drink. Did you even get? You didn't even get a song playing. Probably. I, yeah, I didn't even. No, I didn't even get my headphones in my ears. This was as I was sitting down there. Like, do you want to come in on the big blind? Yeah, sure, sure, okay. Yeah, deal me in. We used to have a poker night. We haven't done it in a while, though, Seamus. Yeah, I had a poker night going. That's actually how I met Todd. He came and I said, guys, who brought John Ritter? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's this guy? Is that is that John Ritter? First, I, I took a picture coming. of him and I was sending him to, uh, to friends of mine. I'm like, tell me that's not John Ritter. If John Ritter wasn't dead, I would say John Ritter is in my living room right now. You've got to see this guy. So I had him in my phone as Ritter for a time period. And that was the only thing I found interesting about him, really, is he looked like John Ritter. Thought oh, I'd have him over a couple more times. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then we, we discovered this ability to jive and, uh, yeah. and talk about UAPs and conspiracies. Right. So here we are. So yeah. you guys didn't even know each other until no. the poker night? No. Wow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, degenerates brought together by a love for, no. for losing. Let's get into Area 51. Let's fly to conspiracies and beyond. Okay, so let's talk about Area 51. Basically, what we know of Area 51, it's the common name for a highly classified United States Air Force facility located within Nevada test and training range. It's 83 miles southwest of Las Vegas. Jedi, where is it compared to the Bunny Ranch? I don't know. <laughs> so the facility is called Groom Lake, where Area 51 is. Area 51 is actually a lot larger than I thought it was. It's 23 by 25 miles. It's restricted airspace, which we'll talk a little bit more later. I think we have a, a clip for you. Yeah, so what do we think they're hiding in there? Well, Bob Lazar seems to know. Bob Lazar. Do you want to talk about Bob Lazar? Yeah, let's uh, well before we talk about Bob Lazar, I know it's 800 miles away, but Roswell, they think a lot of the aircraft that they think a few things might have crashed in Roswell. 1947 was the big incident where they tried to cover it up saying it was a weather balloon, 
but they think some type of alien craft crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, and they think they probably have some aliens. And some of the aircraft might have been transported to Area 51, where, like you said, Bob Lazar worked. What do you know about Bob Lazar? Yeah, so we've been we've been taking a look at this Bob Lazar because if you're if you're looking at any of the the, the new or even a lot of the old material on UAPs or UFOs, his name comes up a lot. I think he's featured on a, a Netflix documentary, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Uh, so he's talking about his experience going back to like the 1980s. Flying saucers, flying discs. Despite numerous inquiries and feelers, Dennis has remained anonymous until now. His real name is Robert Lazar, a young scientist with eclectic interests. The choice of Dennis was an inside joke. He says that's the name of his superior at Groom Lake. It wasn't a joke to Dennis. He called right after and he said, do you have any idea what we're going to do to you now? And I, I said, well, no. <laughs> he hung up the phone. Lazar's story is by any standards fantastic. He says he's telling it in order to protect himself. He says he was hired to work at an area called S4, which is a few miles south of Groom Lake. At S4, he says, are flying saucers, antimatter reactors, and other working examples of technology that is seemingly beyond human capabilities. Right, this, this came from somewhere else. I mean, as bizarre as that is to believe, but I mean, it's there, I saw it. I know what the current state of the art is in, in, in physics, and it's, it can't be done. Checking out Lazar's credentials proved to be a difficult task. He says he earned degrees in physics and electronics, but the schools we contacted say they've never heard of him. He also said he worked as a physicist at Los Alamos National Lab, where he experimented with one of the world's largest particle beam accelerators, a half-mile-long behemoth capable of generating 700 million volts. Los Alamos officials told us they had no records of a Robert Lazar ever working there. They were either mistaken or were lying. A 1982 phone book from the lab lists Lazar right there among the other scientists and technicians. A 1982 clipping from the Los Alamos newspaper profiled Lazar and his interest in jet cars. It, too, mentioned his employment at the lab as a physicist. We called Los Alamos again. An exasperated official told us he still had no records on Lazar. EG&G, which is where Lazar says he was interviewed for the job at S4, also has no records. It's as if someone has made him disappear. Well, they're trying to make me a non-person. Explain. You called where? Well, the schools that I went to. The hospital that I was born at, uh, past job, and uh, essentially nothing comes up with my name in it. He smiles, but out of futility, knowing the whole thing must sound ridiculous. According to Lazar, his employer was the United States Navy. He says he and other government employees would gather near EG&G, fly to Groom Lake, then a very few people would get into a bus with blacked out or no windows and drive to S4. When you get off the bus, what do you see? It's a very interesting building. It's got a slope of probably about 30 degrees, the, uh, which are hangar doors. And it has textured paint on it, but it's, it looks like sand. It's made to look like the side of the mountain that it's in, whether it's to disguise it from satellite photographs or what. He says he was never told exactly what he'd be working on, but figured it had something to do with advanced propulsion. On his first day, he was told to read a series of briefings and immediately realized how advanced the propulsion was. The power source is an antimatter reactor. Uh, they run gravity amplifiers. There's actually two parts to the drive mechanism. Uh, it's just, it's a bizarre technology. There's no physical hookup between any of the systems in there. Uh, they use gravity as a wave using waveguides, almost like microwaves. It took a while, Lazar says, before he actually saw one of the flying disks. However, there were hints everywhere. Right, they had a poster and it looked like a commercial poster almost, like it was lithographed and you could buy it at a Kmart or something, but they were all over the place and it had the, the disc that I coined the term the sport model, was lifted off the ground about three feet at, at uh, area S4 on the dry lake there and uh, the caption on the bottom said they're here. And uh, those are just all over the place. Later, he got to see the real thing. When I was let in, it was the first time I saw the sport model in the hangar sitting down and uh, I was told they could have walked me in the front door, but they purposely wanted to walk me by it. I was told not to say anything and just keep my eyes forward and, and walk past the disc into the office area. And I did, and uh, as we went by it, I just kind of stuck my hands on it <laughs> just to run it alongside the thing. And, uh, you know, I, that, that was about the smallest time. After that, I got to see it uh, actually lift off the ground and operate.
but you you also in between that you saw more than one. Yeah, the hangars are all connected together, and there are large bay doors between each one, and uh, there were nine total that I saw, each one being different. Like they had the uh, assortment pack. Security at S4 was oppressive, Lazar says, and his superiors used fear and intimidation almost as a brainwashing tool. It did everything but physically hurt me. Put a gun to your head? Yeah. And, and said what? what? Actually put a gun to your head? Well, they, it, they did that even in the, in the original security briefings. They had uh, uh, guards there with M16s, and guys slamming their finger into my chest, screaming in my ear, some people pointing weapons at me. Uh, like I said, it's not, a, it's not a good place to work. That fear factor would surface later. Lazar agreed to undergo a polygraph exam as part of this report. Polygrapher Ron Slay asked about the technology Lazar had seen. Did you knowingly lie when you said you had actually seen anti-gravity propulsion in operation? No. The results of this exam were inconclusive. Lazar appeared to be truthful on one test, deceitful on a second. Slay recommended that a second examiner be brought in. Polygrapher Terry Tavernetti runs a corporate security operation and is a former Los Angeles police officer. He put Lazar through four tests and concluded there was no attempt to deceive. And I left there thinking that um, I feel we do have some credibility uh, to what uh, the subject had to say. Uh, and that's when I went to some of my colleagues. Tavernetti sent the test results to a third polygrapher who agreed the results appeared truthful. The charts were then sent to a fourth examiner who did not agree, suggesting Lazar might be relating information he'd learned from someone else. The polygraphers conferred and decided they would not issue a final statement on truthfulness until more specific testing can be conducted. And that's where it stands. Joe, you got that picture. Can you pull that up? He's uh, Bob Lazar on his bike. <laughs> yeah, look, look look at the jet engine. Oh my engine. goodness. We'll um we'll post that on social media. So he said that would go about 65 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, he's got that engine right under his balls. Do you see that? It's literally <laughs> situated beneath his dick and he trusts his ingenuity so much that he's willing to uh to test drive with his balls rested right on this rocket that's propelling so this bike. So they said not only could he he invented that he also created a particle accelerator in his bedroom. Who hasn't? Now, Jedi, <laughs> you have a particle accelerator in your bedroom, and you were going to talk about it on the last show. Did you wanna? Did you wanna elaborate? What, particle, on that? what are you talking about? I know you I know. accelerate a, a particle or two in that bedroom. Go on. So Stay he actually personal yeah. affairs. that was that was actually his <laughs> job at Los Alamos lab working on the particle accelerator. And then he was recruited by the people at S4. He's one of these people. And we've had these people on the show before that has an answer for everything. Right. I mean, this guy is not as obnoxious as our friend with the flat earth that we're going to probably talk about, at least for one second of every show. But he is definitely one of these guys where you can poke holes into his story the more you read on him. The last that we have heard about his credentials, all that they're able to uncover is a 1099 showing that he was a contractor that worked for a third-party company that was servicing Area 51, which is far removed from claiming to be a scientist employed by the U.S. government. So there's a couple of uh, holes in his story. He's, he's been totally disavowed and denied by all of the institutions that he claims to be affiliated with. MIT says they have no record of him. Yeah. Berkeley, uh, wh uh, wherever Cal else he went. Caltech. Caltech. Caltech, yeah, says, says he never went there. Joe, can you pull up the ID and the W-2? So this is 1989, I think. So he made $958 that week. That's equivalent to just about $2,000 in today's money. So that's pretty good. By the United States Department of Naval Intelligence. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's a 1099, though. I mean, it's, it's just him. I mean, that's just him working as an independent contractor. That's not a pay stub. And it just it looks like he worked for a few hours. You know, yeah, $959 is a good amount, but... You know, he's a scientist working on some particular program. He might have been there for a week or something. Yeah. But he now, might not really be a scientist, right? Because nobody can find any credentials on him. What right, does that, he that, have, Todd, for, well, for that, an actual credential? 
when you look at all of his stuff, you can, like you said, you can poke holes. The biggest thing by far is no one can find anything from MIT or Caltech. And you would think he would have something. Wouldn't he have, I don't even know, a book, a thesis? And he said, oh, well, this is the United States government. They had it wiped out. I mean, can they have it wiped out? I mean, I, mean, I guess maybe. None of this sounds surprising. There are so many kooks out there. You really have to see and hear him. He does grow on you, doesn't he? You start to believe what he's saying because it doesn't appear that he's trying to gain any sort of notoriety, right? But I guess that's bullshit or we wouldn't be talking about him right now. But he doesn't appear to be getting rich off of it. I I, I don't know. It's, it's a good Definitely enough story. Not. Definitely um, not. What is kind of interesting is everyone that works at S4, they have completely separate jobs and you don't know what the other jobs are. He worked on the propulsion only of the aircraft. So that's it. A lot of it was taken apart. So he would work on that one part. They would try to reverse engineer it. Like I said, everything was broken to segments at S4. One of the cool things about the spaceship, he describes it in such detail. You can't even imagine someone would make this up. But he said it had three anti-gravity cylinders under the craft, which would turn 180 or 360 degrees, depending on the direction it was going. So the actual craft, it flew belly up. And actually, in that, in that little uh, clip we're looking at right now, do you see how it has the antenna on the top? Right. So when it flew, it would fly sideways, almost belly up, and the cylinders in the bottom would point to the direction it wanted to go. Seamus, we were talking about the other day, what do you say about these guys, how they had no decorative stuff inside of the craft? They're not, yeah, they're not going to be uh, interesting aliens I, based on based on the the description by bob lazar he's saying that the, it was a completely pewter color metallic color on the inside with childlike seats so there's no uh, picasso in their right. decor there's, there's, they don't they don't <laughs> they don't appear to be uh you know a colorful personality so i don't know how much culture they're going to be bringing to our our planet but um yeah no it's it, it was interesting he says that they have child size seats and uh, and one metallic color all throughout in that the propulsion systems capabilities is like hundreds of times beyond what human beings could even withstand. So even if we could fly this thing ourselves, we'd be crushed. Human beings can only take up to like 16 G's in terms of what we can withstand for, you know, that type of force. And this thing apparently, according to, to what Lazar says, goes hundreds of G's of torque when it's maneuvering. It can go so fast that it can actually bend space-time. It can bend light. It can become invisible. Wild, wild stories. Oh, oh, that invisible thing is kind of interesting. So they said inside the ship, it had no right angles. He said it was like you melted wax or something and made a perfect, it's hard to even understand or explain it, but he said everything was just kind of, I guess, rounded. They said they had an archway, there was no bathrooms. But some of the archways could become transparent. He said it looked like a magic trick. And another thing he said was if you were standing underneath the craft, because they did watch it do maneuvers, they would just, on Wednesday nights, it would have it do maneuvers above the mountaintops. And he said if you were standing under it, you couldn't see it because somehow light bent around it. How do they even get this thing in the air? Like, how do you even figure out how to fly something that isn't even of this world right that, that's that's just so much unbelievable just right Who, who's volunteering line to do that right 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> beetlejuice yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, me oh man yeah no it's 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 interesting enough but the more you like i said you, you start looking at bob lazar's background this guy was he was arrested 1990 for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe it's the bunny ranch. Yeah. It could have been. You know, yeah. I think if you're out there long enough, it just grows on you, right? You're just like, hey, I can either make meth or uh, or have a brothel. It's right. Just, it's just it's just the natural progression of things when you're you're sitting out there uh, in the desert. One of the funny things I found was to have that job, one of the requirements is you had to have a stable home life. So they told him, we're going to be wiring your, you're going to be tapping your home phone. He said, okay. And then one day they pulled him in and they showed him the transcripts. His wife was having an affair. 
Oh my god! Yeah, what a way to find out. They took him off the job because they didn't know what was going on at home. So that's when he told his friends that didn't believe him. He said, "We're going to go Wednesday night. We're going to go check out the maneuvers." And he brought his friends, and sure enough, they were doing all sorts of maneuvers with aircrafts. And they ended up getting caught. And the people that worked at S four said, "Wait till you find out what's going to happen to you now." And I think about a week later, he got shot at on the freeway, and he was just freaking out ever since then. Bob Lazar had exact details how to get to S4, and they verified this with other members of S4. He would go to the McCarran Airport, then he would take a special unmarked hidden plane that was like hidden behind a fence, and it would fly to mm. Las Vegas, then to Area 51, then he would take the bus. He knew the exact process, how to get meals, what the dining room looked like, why would he even make that up? And people verified that's how you got to the dining room. That's how you flew there. So I don't know. We say that a lot. Why would you make that? Why wouldn't you make that up? I guess if you didn't have anything going on in your life, you might mention a secret plane. Yeah, and he could have worked at the cafeteria. That's very plausible. Yeah, he might have been <laughs> just somebody who mashed potato. That might be the only thing. Oh that's my god, Bob Lazar! Je- Jedi to Jedi to solve the case. Show over. <laughs> that is that is so funny. That makes a lot of sense if you think about it. You know, he would be a contractor that would be brought in to uh, to bring in mashed potatoes and other, you know, and his hours. Yep. No. If this place really exists, there's no way it's a normal cafeteria with a whole bunch of cafeteria workers. Like you don't think imagine. so? No. You don't think like you would you'd be like handling alien <laughs> aircrafts and then like go get some macaroni and cheese and like one of those like real shitty buffets with like the fish sticks and jello yeah. in the jello cup. <laughs> why why is that so unbelievable to you? What do you think they should be eating like dots? <laughs> you think they you think they eat dots like ice cream, space ice cream? Yeah. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's ice cream of the future stuff. Yeah, the dots. What do you, what do you, that, what would you eat if you were at Area 51? No, what, would I don't, you, what would you expect yeah. to be on the, on the meal plan? I don't know, but I don't like those dots in replace of ice cream. Do you? It's kind of gross. No, I don't I've, like it either. I've never been tempted. Really? To, uh, no, I don't think I've ever even tried dots. Is, is that, is that something I should at least do once? I, I think ice cream is fine without a replacement of, of a different type of ice cream. No, yeah, by the size of you, I don't think you eat ice cream, do you? No, God, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm obviously. What are you talking about, Todd? I'm, I'm spelt. I've, I've been working out rigorously on, the, on my Peloton. I have a six pack. Now I look at, hey, Todd. It, let, let's, let's just stick with Bob Lazar. Leave my, leave my goddamn physique out of this one. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what do you guys think? Do we all believe that alien spacecraft? exists yeah i tell you man i i went down the rabbit hole on no. all this stuff in preparation of this show and i was no i'm not saying no i'm saying no, i no, was astounded jedi. did you see jedi no. shake, shake oh, Je- jedi saying no man. yeah no hmm. you don't? <laughs> really no i don't believe it until i see it i know well, you can the, gover- the government might be making these you know Warcraft or whatever aircraft, specialized aircraft, but I don't know if they're UFOs from aliens. Well, we don't know if they're from aliens. And another thing, another possibility that isn't discussed as much, when you talk about these UAPs and what's flying these things, it might not be aliens from outer space. What if it's some being, some life being that exists here already? What if they're already here? What if they were here before us? We always have this misconceived or preconceived notion in our mind that these spacecrafts that are uh, flying around us that we can't identify and we can't speak to, they're being manned by little green men from Martians and stuff from out of space. What if they're from here? What if they're just a different, more advanced technologically form of life that's hiding in plain sight? I don't know. I think it's funny the things that we've spoken about, Jedi, that you do believe in probably the most (laughs) believable thing you don't believe is aliens, uh, spacecrafts. That's one thing I gotta see. Yeah, I gotta see it to believe it with aliens. Jedi, this is so much more fun to believe in than some of the shit you believe in. Join us on the UFOs. (laughs) Have a little fun. (laughs) Live life. This is harmless fun, Jedi. This isn't hurting anybody. 
Well, I was going to say, yeah. Can, may, may I interject for a minute? Because Todd and I have talked about this before, and I think it's important because Seamus, I, I kind of like what you said, because if you were in our solar system and you were looking for Earth, you would have a hard time finding it. Sure. I mean, if you if you knew what you were looking for, it would be nearly impossible to find it to get past all the gas planets just to get into our into the Milky Way. You would even never know be able to what to look place. for. Yeah. No. Right. right. So yeah, so it's a lot uh, less plausible that it's it from seems, outer space. Sure, it would seem more likely that whatever these things are, if they're not human made, that it would be something that's already and always been in the solar system. What it is. I don't know, although when I was a kid, my Catholic priest told me that he believed it was souls from hell coming out. <laughs> wow. Why did it have to be from hell? I don't buy that. That's what he said. <laughs> I don't know. That's what he Why said. Why was he that sinister, Joe? Because I got to tell you, when I was watching, because one of the clips that I sent you was, um, was, was actually from uh, Space Control NASA. There were the Firefly sightings. I think it was by Buzz Aldrin or might might have been from some one of the other. Oh, no, John Glenn. John Glenn was on a mission uh, and they had this kind of UAP phenomenon occur where there were these like little red dots that were flying or they were they were following them. And, you know, they were talking to uh, to Michigan troll and back and forth. What if those are angels or or what if those are our souls? What if that's the life force that is within us that leaves our body and goes to some other realm of creation? That's deep. Yeah, man. Another so dimension. Seamus, yeah. Another yes. dimension, Joe. What, Seamus, what, 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 people, you want to just mention what UAPs are in case people don't know what that means? So UAP is a term that came about. And just, just so you know, we're not just talking in a bubble about UFOs because we think it's interesting. You know who else thinks it's interesting? is Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, who proposed the what's called ATIP program. That is aerial something, inner something, pro so I don't, not I don't know what it stands for, but they investigate UAPs. And, uh, and, and this was approved by Congress. This is a program that existed or still exists in the Pentagon to investigate these things. Uh, so this is very real in the sense that there are phenomena that the U.S. government, specifically the U.S. Navy, is unable to explain and they want to look more into it. So, so in going down that rabbit hole, seeing some of these accounts, I mean, you can't, you, you can't deny that there are occurrences that cannot be explained. Right. So at, you a, at a very yeah. bare minimum. I'll so you ate that. Yeah, UAP is unidentified area phenomenon, right? That's what it is, oh, right? Oh, that's right. I was supposed to yeah. explain that, yeah. Unidentified aerial phenomenon is the new name for UFO. Right. So I think we should go into, should we play a couple of these clips? What's up with that clip where the thing made the weird change in the direction? The one with the, with the weird change in direction, that is the infamous Tic Tac, the cylinder-shaped aircraft. That was the one that was has been reported on and had been spotted uh, you know, in, in reports going back to the 1950s. But the one that we are, uh, we're showing, one of the three declassified videos released by the Pentagon of UAP sightings, this one was by David Fravers, Fravers captured this infamous Tic Tac cylinder that's been reported. And it's, it supposedly looks like a propane tank or some type of a smooth cylinder, and it's able to move at such an incredible speed that it can actually disappear. So they're suggesting that the propulsion system is so advanced that it can bend space-time and completely just vanish from sight. Why don't you play that clip, Joe? There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. The wind. The wind's 120 knots from the west. I mean, listen to them freaking out. They're just like, what are we looking at right now? Like, what is this? They're trying to keep it together, but they're just like, are you seeing this? I'm seeing this. I'm seeing Are you seeing this? It's just wild. And, it's, and there are several. They've released three. That's one of the three. The other one was an instance that was off of the coast of California. Uh, that was the one that David Frager's one that we just talked about, Joe. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't you play that one? It's a little I, bit long. September 15th, 
1991. Shuttle mission STS-48 is orbiting over Australia when one of the external cameras captures a remarkable event. So this is the one that's the, up in space. space. Yeah. This one's wild. A flash appears and the object changes direction. Look at that thing. An unidentified streak shoots through the frame. What is that? Speed. They don't know is the point. You know, we could watch wow. this and be like, oh, they'll know what that is. They, as in like NASA and this guy's James Ober that worked at Mission Control, they don't know what the fuck that is. That's the weird thing about all of this. They have no idea what they're looking at. Because of dots of that was we'll, we'll post this in the show notes and on uh, social media. You gotta check out this video. Close to each other, as if I mean, they have videos of this stuff, dude. It's going back years now. So much, hours so much evidence of, yeah, of aerial phenomena that they cannot explain. explain. Uh, technology that is beyond Heavens our technology. Things that we could not possibly develop with what we have available to us. It's fascinating. Not space junk that doesn't change direction. Yeah, Bob Lazar said some of this stuff was unearthly, directions. is the way he described it on the ships that he saw. It's it's definitely not of this planet, right? But so why do you live, think they're yeah. letting people know now about it? Why why are they releasing it from top secret status? Well, because they're going to spend money on it. Now they're starting to spend money to investigate it, so it's actual tax dollars that are going into a program. And they're saying, look, it, we can't really go into that much detail about what we think, but here's a couple of clips <laughs> so that yeah. you know, you know, why we're interested. And the clips that they've shown are pretty crazy. Now, the, the, the one that I sent you, Joe, the one that says the Tic Tac. Yeah, before you play that, Joe, just for people listening, the one we just played, it's, it looks like it's some type of spaceship in outer space flying, and all of a sudden you see a flash and the spaceship stops, and then it all of a sudden changes direction like something's chasing it, and then you see a streak go across the sky. And uh, can we put that in the show notes, Joe? And I'll, I'll post it on, on social media as well. You get to yep. definitely see that one. So let's check out the, yeah, the David Fravor one with the Tic Tac object. In 2004, off the coast of California, an F-18 Super Hornet training exercise was suddenly interrupted by a call over the radio that would come to define Commander David Fravor's career. You know, there's certain things in your life where you just remember in vivid detail what happened. That's one of them because it's honestly the strangest, most obscure thing I've ever seen flying. Fravor, the commanding officer of the Navy Strike Fighter Squadron 41 and another F-18 scrambled to check out an unusual radar blip 80 miles off the coast. So as we're looking around, the backseater in the other airplane comes up and says, hey, Skipper, do you see? And before he says it, I'm like, dude, do you see that? As soon as we look down, we see the whitewater, and then we see this little white tic-tac. It's pointing north-south, and it's just going forward, back, left, right. It's just bouncing around? Yeah, like a ping-pong ball. What was its shape? What was its, uh, what did it look like it was made out of? Like a perfectly smooth, white tic-tac. Or for people that need a bigger visualization, a giant propane tank. Fravor says so, the F-18 so no is circling. Fravor at 20,000 feet and the so-called Tic Tac only about 50 feet above the surface. It's nothing we would build. And I say, hey, I'm going to no do wings. Out. And the other pilot stays and says, hey, I'm going to stay up high. And then it starts coming up at us. We call it two-circle fight, but it's coming up. I'm coming down. So it literally is aware we're there. There's no doubt. It's mimicking them. So here it is. Right. I cut across, and I get to about half a mile of it. You know, so I'm about halfway across the circle. As it gets in front of me, it just goes poof, and it's gone. And it's gone like that. that what do you mean, poof, it's gone? I mean, exactly that. Like, it's one minute there, and the next second, it's like magic trick. So I asked the other airplane, I said, hey, do you guys see that? And they're like, it's gone. It just disappeared. When you saw this kind of performance, what was what was the first thing that went through your mind? <laughs> what the hell was that? Once back <laughs> on the carrier, Fravor's team told the next crew what had happened, and that crew took off ready to capture something on camera. And this is what they saw. I, I guess the biggest question is, what, what do you think it is? I, I honestly don't know. I don't think that we have developed that technology. I don't think we developed it on this planet. We still, to this day, have no idea what it was, what we saw, what we chased, what we engaged. But it was pretty spectacular. That guy's legit. This is a, this is he's, one of our this is one of our best. This is one of he, our yeah. He's not liars. liars. He, he's not lying. <laughs> he's not a kook. He's not yeah. some guy you know in a in a 
survivalist bunker. He's, he's, he's legit. This guy is out there with his squadron, and they're seeing this thing. They're mirroring and mimicking their motions. This tic-tac-shaped, unidentified aerial phenomenon is following them around and then disappearing into the ether. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Joe, what do you think about UAPs and UFOs? Do you believe in them? I don't think that they're alien in nature. I think that they're, if I had to bet, that's probably something that the Chinese government has developed. And I would assume it's probably some sort of remote device Mm -hmm. that someone's controlling. I mean, I've seen drones that are somewhat tic-tac shaped. So put it this way, an F-18 lost track of it. That's that's fast. Yeah. Also, somehow this thing uh, can cross dimensions. Did I mention that part? Apparently can move at such a rate. Yeah. Yeah. The disappearing part that that leaves me a bit baffled as to how that. I think that's the point, right? It's like we're not supposed to be able to explain it because none of it is natural to what we've come to know. This is this is technology beyond anything that we understand or could speak to with anything that we've recorded to this date. So what do you guys think of this stupid idea? And I've, I've, cause I, I've talked about aliens with friends, obviously in the past, but the idea that, and especially something that pops in and then pops out of sight, could it be somebody or something traveling back and forth through time and space? I think so. I think, I mean, who knows? We don't, yeah, it could, be, that's it could be any, it could be anything. I solved it. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think maybe it's two high school students trying to make a good grade on their history exam, bringing back Socrates? (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. Do you mean Socrates? Do you mean Socrates? Socrates. (laughs) I watched that that movie about a month ago with my daughter, and I forgot how funny it was. Yeah, what? Genghis Khan, so great. Uh, <laughs> He's at the mall beating the shit out of people with baseball bats and chasing yeah, people yeah, all yeah. around. Mozart's playing on that, like, Casio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know the first uh, UFO sighting dates back to 1440 BC? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing that. about yeah about UFOs where you're like, well, oh, maybe it's like more of a more recent phenomenon, weather balloons and things like that. And then to like look at this list, two eighteen BC, seventy six B, like there's been a lot of sightings, sightings all throughout history that it's I think easier to explain it now, Jedi. Wouldn't you agree with, with all the technology as opposed right. to? How do you explain something from like three thousand years ago? How do you explain? Also, how do they re- from a hundred years ago? That? True. Yeah. <laughs> I forget <laughs> technology's new. I don't. But I don't know. Is it amazing what's happened in a hundred years? In in nineteen like twenty, if you said, "Oh, people are going to be on the moon in fifty years," you'd be like probably like burned at the cross. <laughs> well, well, so that's the thing. I think so you're like a witch. Our, yeah. I think we've hit yeah. our technological arc now where I think like if you went back in time to say 1430 and then you went to 1530, technologically, you really wouldn't see like that big of a change. It's pretty much the same stuff. There's a wheel that's been invented, you know, carriages and stuff. But you go to like 1940, 1950, and you go every 10 years from that point on to where you are today, the delta in terms of how much advancement we are able to accomplish in the short amount of time that we're able to accomplish it. I think we are right now on the precipice yeah. of, a, of a technological revolution that's going to take us places we can't even imagine. Were you talking about the Delta variant or just the Delta? <laughs> <laughs> Todd, I'm talking about change here. You know, I, I think our I think our audience is sophisticated enough to know. I, I say that all. Delphi. I say that all the time. The last sixty years or so, I would say it has to be of all time. Even like a thousand years from now, I feel like people have to be like, remember, like the nineteen and hundreds and the two thousands. We have rocketry, cars, radio, TV. I mean, and I think in like the sixteen hundreds, people were celebrating calculators like it was a big deal. How about crazy for freaky? They are creating people. They're creating artificial intelligent 
flesh-like people. That's that's the direction that we're going in right now. We don't even that's really scary. know yeah. where this is going to end up. What kind of a Westworld fucked up society we're going to land on a thousand years from now. But we are headed in some very bizarre directions uh, if we don't yeah. all kill each other first. I think Joe wants to jump in here. Would, yeah, you know, what? I was just going to say radio waves, the way we would connect and and contact people from outside our own solar system have only been it was only invented in 1886 and we've really only been trying to uh, make contact with outer space for about a hundred years which you know in a in a galaxy that's six and a half billion years old that is a tiny little blip of time so even if somebody was looking for us and we're trying to reach out with radio waves it's so new to how long this planet's even been here yeah. that the distance traveled again, you could never find earth. It, it, I, I don't believe anyone's visiting earth from outside uh, the Milky way. I, you would never, you just would never find this place. Yeah. Elon Musk doesn't either. He's like, no, nah, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even eat Milky ways. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's one what of the, I have to say. I was thinking Area 51 could be a decoy. People think that the stuff going on here, maybe we moved it somewhere else. You ever think of that? Yeah, it's probably in Sturbridge, if I had to guess <laughs> where the aliens are, just based on some of the people that I have come in close contact with in my immediate neighborhood, near right, my right. street. I'm thinking that it could very well be uh, that the aliens are right here in Sturbridge. All right, so have you guys heard about the camo dudes at all? The camo dudes? Those are yeah, the guys, the guys that, that wear yeah. camouflage and drive around in white trucks trying to play chicken with everybody who visits Area 51. Those guys? Yeah, so if you try to get inside, <laughs> if you try to get inside the, the confines of Area 51, you're greeted by these camo dudes. And don't you think by the looks of them, Jedi, they're kind of fake cops? Yeah, I, I don't even know what they're doing there. How did they get called on the job? <laughs> but but they can shoot you. They can arrest you. They can do all this stuff. And, they, and they, I think they take their jobs way too seriously, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, you think it, you think it should be a little bit more laid back at Area Fifty One, Todd? You think we should have like a? Uh, it should just well, be like a library. Just well, help yourself to some aliens. It's kind of weird when you see these guys, they're trying to keep you out. So you would think that there has to be something major going on inside. And what about the, um, the storm area 51? Have you guys ever heard about that? No. When a lot of people were going to try and take oh. it over. Joe, I see, a, uh, I see a puzzled look on your face. We, are you not on Facebook or are you Joe? Oh, I know I am. I am. I, Jedi, are you? Just kidding. No, <laughs> but I heard about it. Well, well, here's what we know. If you get on Facebook and you rally enough hostility to storm a place, you can do that. Right. So this guy made a shit post. It was just kind of a joke because, you know, you can Jedi, you can create events on Facebook. Say you own a, a restaurant. You can say whatever. September 1st, we're having a party at a restaurant. You send it out and people will click interested. I'm going. I'm interested. And it creates this thing where everyone can see it. So this guy said, we're all going to storm Area 51. They can't stop us all if we all gang up and go in. So 2 million people said they were going, and 1.5 million people said they were interested. <laughs> that, that, that's how it works in these events. I do it all the time. I click interested. I'm going. I think I did a, a going to this one. But it so actually, you, 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 yeah. were, you were interested in storming Area 51. Talk, like, how, what would you be your strategy? Would you be the guy in the back kind of hiding out and being like, how's it going up there? Are we in yet? What would your role be if oh, yeah. you were part of the insurrection yeah, of, I, uh, of Area 51? Just like basketball, I wouldn't be up front. I'd be behind the three-point line uh, shooting. <laughs> you'd, just, you'd just be meandering somewhere yeah. in the background, see if you I'm can the, sneak in the side. I, yeah, I'm the annoying white guy that doesn't. It's like a force field inside the three point line. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're the guy in like flip flops and cargo shorts, like swinging <laughs> his keys in the background, asking what, uh, what what people are up to. So this guy did it as a joke, but it blew up. And like I said, so 3.5 million people responded to it. Two million said they were going. I mean, just as kind of a joke, I think. And 1.5 million were interested. And then it blew up all over social media, became an internet meme. 
And then the police had to get involved. The Nevada police said, if anybody shows up, you're going to all be arrested or possibly shot, stuff like that. So This is the danger of the Internet right here. Could you imagine if 1.5 million people show up to fuck with the Nevada police department? Like, you're going to have your hands full. You know, and that can just happen because somebody uh, created a compelling Facebook group. A compelling Facebook group grows into a Nevada State Police chief's worst nightmare overnight. Just all of a sudden, people with wild, uh, you know, expectations of what's at Area 51, letting their letting their uh, distrust for the government fuel their hostility and their need to know, and uh, and suddenly you've got a situation. Yeah, social media is unbelievable. The things that take off and go viral for no reason. I was thinking about when you told me how we have this show and it'll probably have 10 million more views on a girl folding her laundry and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, we're sitting here, you know, trying to think about how to make Bob Lazar interesting. But if we had like kind of cute features and, and we were female and we were doing our laundry and and we were just we were just there burping. We'd have <laughs> no, I, about I ninety thousand more viewers. I did see this video the other day. It was a girl reviewing one of those bowls that never flips upside down. So you, your kid could throw it and it wouldn't spill. And it had like eight hundred thousand views. I'm like, what are we doing wrong here? <laughs> well, she was also in a tank top and sh- and and shorts. So. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to play. Yeah, I do want to play one more audio clip. Have you guys Mm -hmm. ever listened to Coast to Coast? No, what's that? No. Yeah, I was a huge Coast to Coast fan. I played it about in the middle of the night, probably midnight or so, and it would just talk about all the stuff that we like to talk about: time travelers, uh, space. And some guy called one night, and he said that he was going over the the restricted airspace in on Area Fifty. One and let's just let's just listen to it and see what happens. That old boy is drinking. here todd did he get abducted so basically oh, well, well, oh, listen to this i'm not sure what we just heard <laughs> all i can tell you is i got a fax that read art answer the wild card line 
My boyfriend is in a small plane north of Las Vegas and ready to fly into Area 51. He's been trying to call you by cell phone. I withheld the signature at the bottom of the fax so I could be sure that if I did get the person, I could verify it. Indeed, it was signed by Jill. So basically, this girl Jill sent the fax into Coast to Coast said, please answer your phone, the wild card line. What year is this? This was in the early 2000s, I believe. Uh, and anyway, so he just said, answer the phone. My husband's flying over Area 51. And he answered the wild card line, and it was him. And he said, can you match? He said, I'm flying over Area 51. He said, can you match the name of the person that faxed the letter over? And he said, yes, Jill. And he said, I'm flying over Area 51. I'm about 15 miles away. I need to find out what's going on over there. And he kept warning him, don't go over there. You're going to get shot down. And supposedly he got shot down but just like everything else bob lazar fravers people can try to poke holes in it so we'll never know if it's real so so this guy he he sent a fax so this guy's this, no no this guy's his, obviously his, on the on the, the the front lines of cutting edge technology in the early 2000s he sends <laughs> he sends a fax that he's going to be going to area 51 so that we know that he's serious no, he must. He was. He was in the sky, and he was trying to call the wild card line because I've called coast to coast before. There's different lines you can call, and he sent his girlfriend or wife a message, either called her or sent her a text, and said, "Can you send a fax?" Or a fax. Then, yeah, can you send a fax in and say I'm trying to call? And um, yeah, Art hold Bell on, I gotta best. get the Kinkos, and I I gotta get the Kinkos and let Area 51 know that uh, my boyfriend got in his fucking plane. And he's flying overhead against his better judgment. So, yeah. So I don't know if there's aliens, but there's something going on in Area 51. There's something. If, if you want to know what's going on, it sounds like you need a fax machine. <laughs> Who knew Area 51? Yeah. Area 51 is, is basically stuck in 1998. Who knew Jedi wouldn't believe in this stuff? <laughs> Jedi believes in fax machines. But didn't know the capabilities of a fax machine until you just read us that abduction story that happened to some farmer out in a cornfield back in yeah. early 2002. I like how he's like, "Oh, they know I'm here. The Chinese got the the Chinese got all sorts of equipment. They're gonna know." I don't. I don't really understand what his intentions were, but yeah, uh, it it sounds like goal. sounds like he got in a little over his head. Jedi, in some upcoming episodes, we have to get to some stuff that you're into. Yeah, we will. <laughs> it's wild. I'm surprised. Uh, Jedi, what, what, what kind of fascinating uh, you know, interests do you Put have? Put it this that, way. I, I'm shocked I have your number. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Jedi, are you a, are you a secret agent? Are you, yes, are you a I ghost? Am. Yes, I am. I try to operate behind the scenes. Ghost Recon Jedi. That's not yeah. your real name, is that's a code. <laughs> I think you're artificial intelligence Jedi. You're you're a flesh like substance and thinking on behalf of the military. I still think the strangest thing about Jedi is who would think that she looks like the way she looks. <laughs> what is that supposed to be? No. No, I I didn't expect an attractive Hawaiian. I didn't know what I expected. That after the stuff you told me on the phone that you believed in, I was like, "Geez." Yeah, we just assumed you would look like that uh, woman that feeds the birds and uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> we, we, we pictured you in a large coat with uh, with rough teeth. You're very pleasant. Uh, uh, on the eyes, yeah. Jedi. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a version of Moana we could only hope for. Oh, thank you. <laughs> when, when you said feeding the birds, I thought you were going with Home Alone. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the, uh, the, the famous, the infamous yeah. uh, uh, Tuppence, the Tuppence lady. They're my Tuppence, father. They're my Tuppence. I want to feed the birds. Feed the birds. What do you get? Fat birds. I say we should do this. This is our 10th episode. I totally wanted this to be audience participation. And I've gotten a couple messages trickling in here and there. I say the first person who hears this, 
send us a message through either social media to Conspiracies and Beyond. Uh, we have Global Crest Media. We'll get them involved in the show. We can either have them help us pick an episode. Maybe they can do Jedi's intro. Maybe they can come in the portal with us. Yeah, they could just ask oh, us give questions. Us a topic? They can work on an episode with us. So send us a message to conspiraciesandbeyond at gmail.com or on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to Conspiracies and Beyond. Check us on social media. We'll post all these uh, videos and pictures we were talking about. All right, that does it for tonight. Jedi, do you want to send us off? Okay, Marks, thanks for listening. The end is here. Check us out in our next episode.